0: Welcome to A Shower of Roses. I'm Jenna, your host. On this podcast, we read together the readings for the upcoming Sunday Mass in the Roman Catholic Church so that when you walk into Mass on Sunday, you feel enlightened and empowered with the knowledge of the Gospel that you need to have a meaningful and personal experience with Christ every week. I'm Catholic, but you certainly don't have to be to listen to this podcast. The Gospel is for anyone, anywhere, at any state of life. We're so glad you're here. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by Audible. Audible is a collection of thousands of audio titles from audiobooks to podcasts to comedy. So many of us want to read more, but we just don't have the time. But Audible makes it easy by providing downloadable programs that you can listen to in the car, on your way to work, even while you're praying. Yes, you can listen to the audio version of the Bible with Audible and so many other Christian books. You guys, did you know that James Earl Jones did an audio recording of the Bible? Yeah, you can get that on Audible. Go to Audibletrial.com slash a shower of roses to start your free trial and get a free audiobook today. So you can get that James Earl Jones version of the Bible for free. Yep. That's Audibletrial.com slash a shower of roses for your free trial and audiobook. Welcome to the podcast. Today, we're going to be reading the readings for the 32nd Sunday in Ordinary Time in Year A of the Roman Catholic Church for November 8th, 2020. And this week, I am so excited. I am joined by Lisa, who is the Catholic therapist on Instagram. That's how I found her. Lisa, how are you? I'm good, Jenna. How are you? Great. I'm so happy to have you with me this week to read these readings. Um, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and your faith journey and your relationship with Jesus?
1: Yeah. So I am, <clears throat> first off, so excited to be here. Um, this is my first podcast interview. No so way. exciting. Oh, Yay. yeah. I'm super new to um, the Instagram world professionally. So um, my name is Lisa Gormley, and um, I'm known as the Catholic therapist, all one word on, on Instagram. And I practice uh, mental health therapy for a wide variety of ages um, outside of Cleveland, Ohio at a private practice. And we do Christian and non-Christian. Um, I see a really eclectic um, you know, clientele um, group of people and I love, love, love what I do. Um, obviously, I'm also a faithful Catholic and I've been Catholic since the cradle. And that journey has looked very different throughout the years. Um, but more so since becoming a mom, um, Mm. it's really kind of put that, um, really put that focus, that microscope on my faith journey. As I see my son who's 15 months old, imitating everything that we're doing Mm. and my husband and I are like, Oh my gosh, he's watching everything. He's doing everything that we're doing. How can we do things that are worthy of imitation? So I have no idea why, but I decided to launch the Catholic Therapist. Um, I've been working on it for a few months now, but it's only just shy of a month old. So my intention behind it was honestly just to meet and collaborate with other Catholic therapists across the country and students, something I wish that I had um, when I was in school and beginning in my career, Um, and also just to, you know, Learn more myself and to be able to connect and serve um, Catholic individuals, Christian individuals, really anyone that's just trying to seek something else. Um, and so I started this three months before I'm about to have another baby. Hey! It's so exciting. And why? I have no idea. It is truly the Holy Spirit. This is, you know, objectively speaking, doesn't seem like a great time to do something like this. I have no. Um, you know, business acumen. This really isn't even a business. Um, It's really just something to connect and build community and faith and fellowship. So I'm still practicing separately in Ohio. um, And so I can only see um, individuals that live in the state of Ohio based on my license. Um, But as we were talking about earlier, um, virtual, (laughs) trying to see the positive sides of Corona, um, this move to virtual telehealth now has really opened, um, people's eyes to the effectiveness of telemedicine. And I think that it could really reach a lot of people, um, if we continue to do virtual even past the pandemic. Um, I think that it meets people's needs for a variety of reasons and hopefully it helps us connect, um, connect with people that really need our service. And there's a big need for Catholic therapists, not because people that are not Catholic um, are less than or not as effective, but there are so many people. As soon as I started this, it's, are you seeing people? Um, Can you help point me in the direction of a Catholic therapist in my area? And I wish I could say yes to all those things. So as I'm seeing that need grow, I think it's just so important to one, help um, counselors that are, Catholic um, or that are desiring to, you know, use faith-based counseling. And also just to really connect and bridge that with the people that are needing service and that have perhaps faith-based issues that they would like to discuss. So that's kind of the the long drawn out answer of I have no idea. (laughs) 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 That really is truly my answer. I have no idea what this is. I have no idea where it's going, but I am just Happy to be a vessel. Yeah. I'm happy to just go where um, he's calling me. And I have no idea what next month is going to look like. So we're just kind of along for the ride.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, can you tell me, and this might be like a dumb question, but what's the difference between, it, or is there a difference between a counselor, a therapist, and a psychologist? Are they all the same thing? It's
1: a good question. So, when it comes to mental health professionals, Um, I'll start by a psychiatrist. So a a psychiatrist, many people know, would be a medical doctor. So that's a medical doctor that specializes in medication management um, for psychotropic medications. So um, even though other kind of primary doctors and everything can prescribe, psychiatrists are really those that specialize in this. um, And that if you meet with a psychiatrist, you might meet with them for 15, 20, maybe 30 minutes every few months, if that. Then um, below that, not below that, but I'm just kind of going in terms of how much school is required. Yes, um, yes, would be a psychologist, and um, there are what's called PsyDs, which is like um, P S Y C C H, um, and psychologists. That those are um, individuals with doctorate degrees that focus typically more so on research. In some states, they can prescribe certain um, psychotropic medications. Um, most of the time, not. And they can also be therapists or identify as counselors as well. Um, So depending on, usually there's kind of split between doing research, teaching, and also seeing clients as well. Um, And then there are counselors or social workers. So there's two different degrees, and these are both master's levels that you can get um, that allow you to see clients one-on-one using evidence-based treatments, um, diagnose and treat a variety of mental health disorders. So both of those would require a master's degree. It really varies on state exactly, you know, what's required in terms of training and internships and practicums and all that kind of thing. Um, But therapist is really a pretty broad term. Therapist could be anybody ranging from a counselor to a psychiatrist that refers to themselves as a therapist. So essentially, a therapist is somebody who provides mental health therapy. Um, And ideally, people are only calling themselves a therapist if they are licensed and they've you know, gone to school and they are trained in it. And counselor is um, the specific degree that I have. So I'm interchanged. I'm a therapist. I'm a counselor. Um, most of the time people know when I say therapist, exactly what I mean. When I say counselor, they tend to ask me like, do you work in a school? Are you, okay. you know, so usually therapist is kind of like the, the catch-all yes. Easy to understand. I provide therapy.
0: <laughs> that makes so much sense. Thank you. Cause I've always mm-hmm. wondered that. So just like one more quick question. Cause I, I love, I love um, the service of like therapy and counseling. I think it's so important. Um, and frankly, I think everyone should go <laughs> at least at some point in their lives. Yes. Um, what's like, what do you feel like someone that's a Christian or a Catholic therapist? Well, let me ask you this. Like, did you ever work in a situation where you weren't really allowed to like talk about your faith in therapy sessions or like, and like, what's the difference between like a cath, like a, th- a therapy session with someone like you who is Catholic and is allowed to like talk about that as opposed to not, mm-hmm. you know what I mean?
1: So it's a good question that oftentimes um, anybody of any kind of faith when they're a student in counseling, which again is another um, population that I'm trying to grab at with my Instagram is because, you know, students, I think really fear that something that I say and do is going to get my license ripped away from me. And usually Mm -hmm. we, um, you know, feel even when it's not actively threatened that like our most, you know, innermost values and beliefs are what's going to be threatened, that we're going to say the wrong thing and we're going, to, we're going to get in trouble, so to speak. But our job is a beautiful opportunity to be objective. And so while none of us come as unbiased, we all have biases, we all have values and beliefs. Ideally, those beliefs make us better therapists without even actually explicitly speaking about them. So, you know, my background as a Catholic therapist um, really just dictates my value and worth I have for the human being and seeing everybody, regardless of their beliefs, as made in the image of God. And I don't have to tell them that. (laughs) They don't have to, um, you know, believe that either, but it only helps me in my work with them. Now, there are definitely circumstances where, um, regardless of what your beliefs are, that Um, they can impede on your ability to be able to objectively provide therapy to somebody of of a different belief. And I find that because my beliefs are so strong, it makes it easier for me to be objective. I kind of almost assume that most people might not believe what I believe in. Mm. And so I've always approached it um, that more times than not, the person that's sitting across from me is going to come from a very different background and belief system. And I love that. I thrive on it, learn from it. Um, But again, it's mostly the, you know, what's coming from inside without having to even say anything that helps you to be a better therapist. And you know, we see people, um, whether you're atheist or Jewish Orthodox or different Christian denominations. And a lot of times some people, and depending on if you work for like an agency or you know, something that's like community mental health, which would be funded by government, state or local. Um, they will have a lot more restrictions, you know, on not bringing up any religion, period. But I think that that does a disservice to people because, you know, I think that what, regardless of what your religion is, you should talk about it, right? I mean, that's if your belief system is based on something bigger than yourself and something that, you know, defines your definition of eternity, it's so important to talk about it, especially when there's anxiety related to it, possibly trauma related to it. And if that very belief system is what can help pull you out of some of the symptoms that you're experiencing. And so I think that, you know, we'd be doing a disservice to clients to not talk about faith and religion because it's so, so, so important. Um, but yeah, you know, to answer your question, it's, it's definitely something that you have to just be aware of. But honestly, you have to be aware of it regardless of what your background and belief system is um, and really just be there for the individual to figure out what their needs are, what their symptoms are, you know, what's going on holistically and then using your foundation. And for me, it's Catholicism, you know, what I know to be true and using that to help me care for them and serve them, um, as you know, another brother and sister in Christ. Does that answer your question? <laughs> oh, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Thank you. That was so beautiful and makes so much sense. And it's just so, it's so awesome that you're just there to like be there for people regardless of their religious background. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just like really, it's really a gift. It's a gift to the church and to the world. So thank you for, for what you're doing.
1: No, thank you. And to clarify too, I think that, you know, my answer focused on, um, you know, our obligations and roles in terms of like our ethics, you know, state to state. And I think it's also important for um, Catholic counselors or just anybody, honestly, any professional where you're working in um, you know, a secular environment or just a mixed environment um, it's important to know that, you know, your obligation, your role spiritually um, you know, as a Catholic, is not to um, convert them with your words right there. Mm. You know? And that your job is to use your education, is to use your God given talents and expertise to make them feel valued, make them feel loved, help them understand themselves and what's going on, and sometimes be one of the only support systems that they might have. And so doing that helped relieve some of the anxiety of, am I doing enough? Is God expecting more of me? Should I be standing up or putting my foot down or, and no, he's calling me to maintain my license. Right. right? Yeah. <laughs> he's calling me to, you know, follow the, um, you know, rules and regulations of my, of my career and do that so that I can be, like we said, a vessel for him. So I think that there's anxiety on both sides. You know, am I doing right by the state? Am I doing right by research? Am I doing right by God? Um, and they don't have to be mutually exclusive. Mm. Yeah,
0: yeah. And that must be that must be tough and like a tough, um, I don't know, kind of like thing to balance. But like, it's so clear that you're like rooting it in what's good. So you're not gonna have a problem with it. I hope you know. so. Yeah. <laughs> How long have you been practicing?
1: Only um, a little over three years now. So oh, that's I did Almost four years with you know internship and and practicum and all that. But um, I'm coming up on my two year anniversary of being officially licensed. So I've been practicing a little between three and four years. So awesome. not, not super long. I'm still I'm still a fresh newbie. You
0: are. You are. But that's beautiful because you have um, you aren't like burnout yet. <laughs>
1: Well, I'm kidding. (laughs) No, you're right. Hopefully that helps. Yeah,
0: definitely. All right, awesome. Thank you so much for for teaching us. I considered that a lesson. I just learned so much from you. So thank you.
1: Um, No problem.
0: Are you ready to dive into the readings for the week? I am ready. Okay, cool. So Lisa's going to read the first reading, which is from Wisdom, chapter 6, verses 12
1: to 16. All right. So reading from the Book of Wisdom. Resplendent and unfading is wisdom and she is readily perceived by those who love her and found by those who seek her. She hastens to make herself known in anticipation of their desire. Whoever watches for her at dawn shall not be disappointed for he shall find her sitting by his gate. For taking thought of wisdom is the perfection of prudence and whoever for her sake keeps vigil shall quickly be free from care because she makes her own rounds, seeking those worthy of her and graciously appears to them in the ways and meets them with all solicitude. Mm. The word of the Lord.
0: Thanks be to God. Thank you. What a beautiful reading. Anything that stuck out to you as you were reading it?
1: I told you, I think before we got started, I'm like, even just, you know, the book that it's from, um, I think is just so, (laughs) we are craving wisdom. We are craving answers right now. Like we are craving meaning. (laughs) And so I think, you know, what this highlights and, and honestly, what most people come, if I can do a a therapy twist on it, most people come to therapy is, is wisdom and certainly not something I can provide. I'm just, you know, imperfect. I I don't know more um, about people than they know about themselves, but what we aim to, you know, provide is is that that deeper acknowledgement um, of the wisdom that, that truly only God can reveal to us. And you know, we we prayed before we even started that the Holy Spirit take over because you and I are not capable of truly communicating um, you know, his intentions and his desires and the truth. We can only be those vessels of the Holy Spirit. And mm-hmm. wisdom's wisdom's a, a big word. You know, it's it's not intelligence. It's not black and white thinking. You know, wisdom is something that we strive for and that I think is is available to us and by the words that we just heard, you know, truth is there. Truth exists. Truth doesn't go anywhere. It might get muddied by things. It might become hazy by our environments and by people and by circumstances, especially everything that's happening right now. Um, but truth exists. And I think that those who are truly seeking it, um, at least from what I'm reading, were promised to find it. Mm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I love what you said that like, it's a big word and it's, it's something very specific because that's why it's a different spiritual gift than knowledge. Like, it's not just like, like you said, like it's something totally different. It's not just being smart and <clears throat> excuse me, or intelligent, like you said, um, I think that's really important to remember, because I think sometimes some of us can get down on ourselves for not being like the smartest, but there's a difference between being like you know book smart and then being wise, which is really like having good like decision making skills mm-hmm. um something that stuck out to me as you were reading is this this idea that like wisdom is readily perceived by those who love her she hastens to make herself known in the anticipation of their desire like wisdom is ready to be revealed to us before we even realize that we want it mm. um and that reminds me of what you're saying with your profession is like like as soon as someone turns to the lord in in seeking wisdom or seeking help like it's there it's ready to go like wisdom makes it ready before we even know that we need it. Just that line. She hastens to make herself known in anticipation of their desires. Mm -hmm. Like the Lord is ready to give us these gifts before we even know that we need them (laughs) or before we even ask for them. Um, and you know, we can, I think we can all think of like so many moments in our lives where, you know, like we were overwhelmed by like how good the Lord was to us in a situation where we were, you know, seeking his wisdom or seeking some other type of spiritual gift. And like, we receive it in an abundance, you know what I mean? Like more than we could have imagined. So yeah.
1: And undeservingly. Yes.
0: Undeservingly. Exactly. Anything Mm -hmm. else that stuck out to you in this one?
1: Um, You know, I, I really think that just the fact that, that it exists and it's there, it's not going anywhere. And, you know, like I said, that it could be muddied, it could be Unclear right now, but that it's there for when we're ready to see it. And sometimes we think that we're running and striving for truth, and we really might be, you know, we're we're just sinful humans. We might unintentionally or intentionally be just kind of out for um seeking what feels good, what feels right, what we Mm. desire, as opposed to seeking the truth. And I imagine that, you know, wisdom is not always something like an easy pill to swallow. Wisdom doesn't mean that it it feels good. Ideally, it's fulfilling because it's the truth, but sometimes the truth, um, it rattles us, right?
0: Yeah. Yep. Sometimes it hurts. Yeah, that's (laughs) such a good point. Awesome. Okay, cool. You ready to go on to the second reading?
1: I'm ready if you are.
0: All right. So the second reading is from the first letter to the Thessalonians, chapter four, verses 13 to 18. We do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters... About those who have fallen asleep, so that you may not grieve like the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose, so too will God through Jesus bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Indeed, we tell you this on the word of the Lord that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will surely not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself, with a word of command, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, will come down from heaven, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, console one another with these words. Wow. This is such a beautiful reading about um like the loss of like loved ones. I think this is a really good reading for to be read at funerals, and you don't really hear it um, at funerals. But I find it very consoling. What about you? Anything that stuck out to you?
1: Honestly, it it didn't even occur to me until um, because I did I did read it before our meeting, and it didn't even occur to me until I was reading it along and hearing it, which tells you repeat, repeat, repeat things. Up uh, oh yeah. <laughs> You never know what you're going to hear next. Um, Because when I originally saw the string of readings today, I'm like, wow, there's a lot of Jesus coming, right? There's a lot of looking at the end, which we should be looking at the end. But I think that's such a beautiful perspective to, you know, if you have loved ones, like, you know, he will come for them first, you know, those who have fallen asleep before us. Um, And that's just so powerful, especially for, you know, those that really have experienced However recent or however long ago their loss was, um, it doesn't go away. That absence doesn't go away until we meet them again. And so, you know, knowing that that they're kind of like their, their first priority, that's, that's like what I hear, um, is that like, you know, he's going to swoop them up, um, you know, at the end. And, and the end times can feel so um, ominous, although mm-hmm. I think that in this last month, I've never... <laughs> heard people pray more for Jesus to come again, which is interesting, right? (laughs) Everywhere I see, it's like, Jesus, please come back. (laughs) But he's here. He never left. Um, He is coming again. And just what a fulfillment of his promise. Like, you know, he, he's not forgotten about us. He is coming back for us and be ready.
0: Mm, Yeah. Do you like in your practice, do you deal with a lot of people that are grieving the loss of a loved one? And that, is that like why a lot of people come to therapy? Do you see Um, that? Yes
1: and no. I think that, um, I received training in grief because grief happens at any given time. So, Mm. you know, as opposed to there, there are certain places that focus on grief, um, you know, for people that have experienced loss or maybe anticipated loss, you know, um, if, if they have a loved one with a chronic illness, for example, and those are fabulous resources because they help build community. Um, but oftentimes, you know, any one of my clients could experience loss at any given time. And the word loss is really kind of broad, you know, loss could be anything from, you know, we've been talking a lot this month about, um, pregnancy and infant loss awareness. Mm. Um, you know, it could be losing, um, you know, loss of a job as we've been seeing. So there's a lot of different forms of grief that um, we deal with. And I think that every single one of my clients has experienced, at least one significant loss in their life. And then even in the last, you know, six, seven, eight months, um, subsequent losses in its variety of, of definitions. So, Mm. um, and, and if, if an individual, you know, to go back to your original question about faith and counseling, if an individual, which I have a few will say, you know, that, that they are a believer and that they, Um, rely on scripture for example or rely on prayer to help pull them then you better believe that I am going to utilize that you know because that's that's applying a strength-based approach so if I looked at it from a totally clinical objective standpoint I'm going to utilize what objectively improves their behavior and their thought processes and therefore their emotions and I don't even have to be a believer to be able to do that and to recognize as a good clinician that that's the route to take for treatment but it helps that I am because then we can really connect and, you know, open session in prayer if they desire, mm. close session in prayer if they desire, um, you know, um, recommend devotions for homework and things like that. So, yeah. I mean, and how powerful are these words for someone that believes to open up a reading like this right. to someone that's experiencing loss? yeah, Forget about it. There's nothing I could say that would match something like this, right?
0: Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Like, this would be such a great reading to do like Lexio Divino with, like to like really put yourself in the scene and to just this verse at the end really got me that um, we who are alive, who are left, we caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Like Mm -hmm. we're going to, there's a reuniting that's going to happen for eternity Mm -hmm for eternity. And we're all going to be in the communion of saints together. Um, I remember like, I, I just got married like a month ago and I don't I didn't know. It was that recent. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And I remember being at the mass and I got married in the church that my grandparents on my dad's side got married in. And I remember being at the mass and like remembering like the, so three of my four grandparents have, have passed. And like, I guess it was like after communion where like Paul and I were just like sitting there praying, you know, kneeling and praying together. And I was like, they are so, I know their spirit is so present in this church. And like, I think everyone that was there, like felt this communion, at least I did. (laughs) Like Mm. you really felt this communion with like the angels and the saints and all of our, you know, family loved ones that have gone before and it's like, so I'm reading that verse and I'm like, that was just like a, the teeniest foretaste of like what heaven is going to be like, you know, mm. that we're all going to be united in in like the eternal liturgy. Like it's going to be the, the the Eucharistic celebration forever. Like that's what heaven is going to be. So yeah, just reading that line made me, made me think of that.
1: And, and to think, Jenna, about the phrase that you use, it's just, you know, a tiny, tiny um, what was the exact word that you used? A
0: foretaste.
1: A foretaste. Yeah. <laughs> so imagine, I mean, because that's a pretty good foretaste. <laughs> you know, sometimes we experience things in right. heaven. Or I'm sorry, we experience things on earth. And, you know, my mom used to always call it things like a little bit of heaven if we were smuggling or something like that. Yeah. Like, if 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 this is a little bit of heaven, I can't even imagine what you know actual heaven is like. And there's a um a particular Instagrammer, a Christian Instagrammer that I follow, who um, has unfortunately experienced the loss of a young child. And, you know, it's one of those where, you know, you struggle to understand how she kind of goes on with each day. And the phrases that she always uses is one day closer to meeting to seeing my baby girl again. And that phrase, right? I mean, it's so powerful to, to constantly be thinking every day in terms of the end. She's not, she's not, you know, in this dark, ominous way, thinking about death or wishing death. It's just, she knows that death is really new life. She knows that death means meeting her her child. She knows her child is with Jesus. And I just think that's such a powerful way to live, not to be cliche in the song, but live like we are dying because we are every day. And that, yeah. that day is coming and we will hear in the gospel. It is all about yeah. <laughs> the end.
0: Awesome. All right, cool. Shall we go into yeah. the gospel
1: then? We shall. I'm actually gonna read it from my um my word on fire bible.
0: Do it! Oh my gosh, I'd, what a beautiful
1: it is so awesome. Pretty. I love it. It's so pretty. It's got this beautiful crest in the Ooh. front. I wasn't one of the lucky people. I was too impatient to wait for the leather bound. So I just I just ordered the paperback. I was like, it's I want to. It's pretty it now. though. It is still Later. pretty. Um, but I just was recently reading Matthew, so I thought that I would I would pull it out. Awesome. So a reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a shout, Look, here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all of those bridesmaids got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, no, there will not be enough for you and for us. You better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they went to buy it, the bridegroom came and those who were ready went with him into the wedding banquet and the door was shut. Later, the bridesmaids came also saying, Lord, open to us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I do not know you. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Mm. Right?
0: That, yeah. Yeah. What's, what's like hitting you as you were reading that?
1: The very last phrase, you know, the day, you don't know the day nor the hour, right? I mean, we, we oftentimes live like there is no end. I mean, our, our, our sinfulness doesn't make sense Our sinfulness doesn't lead to happiness. And of course, it doesn't make sense because it's contrary to truth um, because we have no idea. And, and it's not just too about when we, and you tell me your thoughts on this, but I don't see that as you don't know the day nor the hour that you are going to die yourself. You also don't know the day or the hour that a loved one may go. You don't know the day or hour where he's going to come back and we could be alive when he comes back. Um, and so just really constantly thinking in terms of the end but in a positive way you know it's it's our finish line it's our our goal and i think that that helps us understand the sacrifices and suffering on a daily basis that we experience that we see others experience because we know that it's temporary and it's so short compared to eternity which is what he's calling us to long for yep
0: yeah and this is where like everyone that like is going to make fun of me for saying this. Cause I talk about confession. Like I feel like literally every week on this podcast, but like that is why the sacrament of confession is so important because like, we really need to be able to lay our heads down at the end of the day and be like, if I like go in my sleep or if the Lord returns like tonight, like is my soul ready to be judged? Like mm-hmm. do I know where I'm going? If if I die like right now, or if the Lord returns. Um, And I like, when I was teaching, I always used to say that to my students. And like, you would see like these horrified looks on their faces, but it's just because they've never thought of it that way. And it's not supposed to be scary. Like if we're going to confession regularly and we're striving to live in a state of grace, like there's nothing to be scared about. Um, In fact, I think it brings us so much more peace knowing that we don't have to worry about like, what's going to happen like when we die or when Mm -hmm. the end comes because like our our soul is is ready um to either you know go to heaven or be purified um and if not then like that should give us like real motivation to make sure we're going to you know confession to get our soul like ready Mm -hmm. to go you know
1: absolutely and I think that um, you know when they when they say that they were they were sleeping, they were resting, um, you know, what does sleeping look like for us? Because I think sometimes we think of people that maybe um, aren't practicing in any faith or maybe more blatantly turned away from God. And honestly, I see the the sleepers, including myself, sometimes in those practicing Catholics, in those devout Catholics where, um, you know, we may be in ministry. We may be um, parents. You know, we may be doing things that um, are fulfilling our vocation, but we can still be sleeping. And and you're yep. right by focusing on the sacraments. Because are we actually fully attending to the sacraments? Are we going to mass? Are we there when we're at mass? Um, are we intentionally and re- and respectfully and reverently receiving the Eucharist? Are we going to confession? Um, or, you know, and, and I'm, I'm hundred percent guilty of doing this. Are we only going, are we only running to confession? <laughs> mm, yes.
0: Oh my gosh. That's such an important point. Yes.
1: And, and that oftentimes can lead to one it's, it's, um, not, not really trusting in God's offering of reconciliation. So it's always there. It's always available for us. Um, and really understanding what his mercy means, and understanding the words that we are expressing in confession and sinning no more. Um, however, best we can. But um, you know, usually it's it's well, I did something really bad, and I got to run there, as opposed to just a maintenance, you know, cleansing of our soul, which is so important because that recognizes that I am human and I am sinful, and I'm always sinful, and that there's never a time when I'm like doing enough or I'm I'm good enough. And I will say that with that, however, we also see the opposite side with devout Catholics that um, constantly going to um, confession or um, exhibiting what we would call scrupulosity. And scrupulosity is really um, like the religious form of of obsessive compulsive disorder. Um, And that can be equally as harmful as well because it's feeling like I am not receiving the grace is that I actually am, that I'm not receiving forgiveness, that I'm just so um, unworthy. And while we all have those underlying beliefs that yes, we are not worthy, we still have that trust and reliance that, you know, we, our identities are still within Christ and it's through his grace that he makes us worthy of what he promises us. Um, but I think that, you know, mental health wise as well, we can see it cross over very much where It's more about the ritual. Um, It's more about the compulsive um, behaviors of having to go every single day, having to repeat a certain prayer a certain way, um, a certain number of times. And so, you know, that just kind of makes me think too that we could be um, sleeping by not seeking help for behaviors that are not helpful to us, that are not healthy. And you know that comes from a variety of different um, sources. It could be trauma. It could be you know upbringing and environment. Um, and you know it, it could be also just you know some evil sources, right? I mean, any mm. kind of sin. This, the root of it is is evil. Yeah. And every time that we are taking a step closer to God, you better believe that you know that the other one is is pulling us back as much as he can. And so it's so important, you know, for anybody listening that either themselves or um, a loved one that is experiencing this, where I feel like I'm never doing enough and I'm feeling such intense guilt. And I just posted about this such intense guilt that it's turning into shame where it's not just that I did something bad. It's that I am bad. I am not worthy of forgiveness. Um, and any time you find yourself having to compulsively repeat behaviors, whether it's the sign of the cross, using holy water, going to confession, um, in a way that is not um, meeting its intent and, it, and you're not um, open to receiving that grace, or maybe you just feel like you're not receiving that grace, even though we know you are, then it's really important to go seek someone, which is another plug for reason why we need Catholic therapists because you know, I've seen someone, um, I don't struggle with obsessive compulsive disorder, but I think a lot of us can struggle with scrupulosity at times um, and having those tendencies, especially cradle Catholics. And I've seen, right? I've seen uh-huh. two, I've seen two Catholic therapists and two non-Catholic and there are Catholic therapists out there that don't rock my socks, <laughs> Yeah, but there, and there are some non-Catholic that are just like the best clinicians that I've ever met. Um, But I will say that when I bring these kinds of issues up to them, that it becomes so difficult um, for them to really understand and wrap their head around. And it's so easy to say, well, you don't have to do any of that stuff. You don't need to. Um, And that's not really the answer, right? The answer is really understanding, um, you know, the gap spiritually and in where you feel um, like where your thoughts are taking you, what the consequences are, where you feel threatened if you don't do that. Everything we do is for self-preservation, right? Everything we do is because we feel unsafe. Um, and so we're always attempting to make ourselves feel better. So why is that making you feel better? And is it truly making you better or is it making you feel better? Mm. So I kind of took us off a tangent. No,
0: and <laughs> actually I'm so, I am so glad you brought it up because I don't think I've ever we've ever really talked about scrupulosity on this podcast, but it's a real thing. And I will be the first to admit that I I don't have OCD, but I know I have OCD tendencies like with just like certain things. Um, So I, I have definitely struggled with um, just like a little bit of scrupulosity in that. Like, like you said, when I go to confession, if I have committed a, a mortal sin and I confess it, I still, I don't feel the grace. Usually I did. I would say like earlier in my life, when I was first starting to go to confession more regularly, I would feel those graces, but as I got older and started going to confession more frequently, I think it's not, you know, just because I do it more, you don't type like quote unquote feel like, mm. feel the graces. you know what I mean? Sure. And so that can make you feel like your sin is not actually forgiven and it can lead to like, like overanalyzing sins and being like, well, was that a venial sin or was that a mortal sin? Do I have to confess that? Do I not? Can I go to can i receive and i think this is the biggest thing i struggle with like okay i did that like can i receive the eucharist or do i have to go to communion first or do i have to go to confession first like mm-hmm. i think that's a big one that that devout catholics um struggle with mm. um and so like if it's bothering me a lot like i just go to confession and i'm like and i'll say to the priest i don't know if this is a venial or a mortal sin but i'm just going to confess it mm-hmm. to you anyway And like, I don't know if I needed to confess that before going to communion, but I'm whatever, like, I'm just going to, you know what I mean? If it's really (laughs) bothering me, then I just go and then it's done. But it is something that I've really had to kind of train myself in to like, be like, no, I confessed it. It's forgiven. Like Mm. it's done. Um, right? And I think I, there are, and I know that there are people like this and my husband also kind of struggles with that, which is not good because then both of us can kind of like dig ourselves into, into like a hole of scrupulosity. Um, but it is something that you have to like really train yourself to, to know that that grace is there, even though you might not be feeling it. Sure.
1: Which is such a combination of, um, you know, spiritual formation Mm. and, and being properly catechized and just having that knowledge and it's also clinical, you know, and, and if I, and I've, I've been guilty myself of walking out of confession and still abstaining from communion. Mm. Why am I robbing myself of that grace that he's offering me? It's kind of a slap in the face. It's like mm. I've just given you this awesome gift and you're kind of looking at, looking at gift horse in the mouth a little bit.
0: Yes. And I
1: might see it as, Oh, well, I'm just so not worthy. And, and I just want to really make sure, but I've just robbed myself of grace that he's attempting to give me. Right. Wow. And so, and I've had, you know, a a priest tell me, why would you skip out? Why would you do that? And then I'm, I'm guilty for that. So, you know, it's so important to have a blend. And what I think that Catholic therapy can provide is particularly with people with OCD um, scrupulosity that, you know, how do I understand from a theological standpoint? um, You know, how do I understand the catechism? How do I um, make that spiritual connection between you know, the graces that he's trying to give me and the intrusive thoughts that I'm having, that's preventing me. Cause that's not from God. You know, God brings us peace. God doesn't always bring us fun, bubbly feelings. He can absolutely apply the pressure. And when we know better, um, but un- unrest is not necessarily from God. And no, I think that the devil attacks, particularly devout Catholics, a very specific and sneaky way because he knows he cannot get you overtly. And so every time, and, I, and I've and i used this with um, anybody that is seeking a Christian perspective in therapy, is how do we look at some of our intrusive thoughts instead of shaming ourselves for having them? And intrusive thoughts are really just anything that's constantly kind of like imagine it like a, a bug or like a nagging animal on us that is just unhelpful and unhealthy um, like, like voices kind of telling us that, you know, we are not good, that they are not good, that we should do this and anything that's, that's really not from God. Um, we will personify the devil and, you know, let's talk about him because he exists. Oh yeah. The greatest, the greatest lie that he's ever told is that he doesn't exist. Right. Mm. So he's going to tell us, well, I'm not going to keep them from church. So I'm going to um, you know, I'm going to make it so that they don't feel cleansed. I'm going to make it so that they do not accept the graces that God's offering because if they accept this grace, well, then I'm no match for that grace. And I think that humans are so stubborn that thinking about it in that way is kind of like, huh, well, if if I can't do it for myself in this moment, I'm going to do it for the sake of not letting the devil win. Yeah.
0: And that's that's
1: been really, really helpful, I think. Like, it's it's if I can imagine that the devil is winning in that circumstance, then even if I'm struggling to believe it myself, I am not going to let him win. Right. Wow.
0: Yeah. You are so right. And we have to get better. And I have to get better at just what you said, like calling out the devil for what he, for like who he is. And like saying like, that is not from the Lord. That is from the devil. And I'm good at doing that for other people, (laughs) like calling out, like that is not from the lord that is from satan you need to like let that go mm-hmm. but it how hard is that to do it for ourselves mm-hmm. you know what i mean i think you're so right like the yeah he attacks those mm-hmm. that are that are closest to the lord for sure right. because it's those- why
1: spiritual directors need spiritual directors it's Absolutely. why therapists need therapists yes. it's why doctors need doctors because we can't do that on our own and he doesn't call us to he calls us to do things in community, in fellowship, and Mm. rely on one another. I mean, I never shy from telling my clients that I see a therapist. I don't talk about it necessarily because it's not my therapy session, but I recognize that I've been on the other side of of the room before, you know, and I might be, I I always preface the things, especially when I'm challenging people, it's very, it's easier said than done. And this is not something that anybody's immune to struggling with. And that I might, you know, give this challenge here, right here and then, and I'm going to be challenged by it all week as well. Um, it's just so important to get that, you know, you're so right. It's so much easier to to be speaking about these things and to help other people because we recognize it so clearly. But you know, the standards are so much higher for ourselves, right? Like it doesn't yeah. apply.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That this was great. That was so Uh, We might not, we got a little off the gospel, but I don't care because that was so helpful to me.
1: I'm so sorry. (laughs) No, I am never like,
0: I am never like, I don't give like a time limit to like what we can talk about. No, we let the Lord lead it, like we said, and he totally just did. So thank you. Um, Thank you. Lisa, do you have, so the last thing I always ask is for, do you have a challenge for us based on like one of these readings or what we talked about that we could maybe take into the week? to help us get ready for Sunday mass.
1: I do. And thank God. Cause you gave me this challenge homework at the beginning of this. And so, you know, my, my negative thought patterns are thinking, Oh my goodness, I have to come up with a really good one. But you know, as always the Holy spirit prevails. Um, I want to challenge everybody to, um, to, to focus on the word intention and to live intentionally. And whether that's, you know, you're working from home and sitting in front of a laptop, or you're taking care of children, or you are having to go into work and maybe don't feel safe there, or you're just, you know, you're stressed and you're cold or you're experiencing loss, whatever the case is, um, I just to focus on that word intention and to live intentionally, always keeping that end in mind, um, and to really focus your suffering, um. And, and make that suffering intentional as opposed to, you know, suffering in vain, which I think that we, we do so often speaking of doing things without God, when he wants to be there, he's waiting for us. And we've heard today, like he is there, he is waiting. There is not a time when he even looks away to check the time. He is just sitting there waiting for us. Um, and he's available when we want to, and even in anticipation of us wanting to,
0: Yes, just
1: so important. And so, um, I challenge you to be mindful. I challenge you to be intentional. I challenge you to acknowledge your thoughts and ask, are they coming from God or are they coming from the evil one? And and really sit with that and, and kind of reflect on that.
0: Yeah, I agree. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, can you just remind us where we can connect with you? And if anyone in a, is listening from Ohio, how can they reach out to you?
1: Sure. So... <laughs> So I don't advertise um, my um, in-person counseling appointments right now, only because I'm going to be going on maternity leave. However, um, if anybody in Ohio is seeking services, um, if you're in the Cleveland area, you can find me on psychology today um, just by Googling my name. And um, you can find me on Instagram at the Catholic therapist, all one word. And in that Instagram, I have, you know, different kinds of stories and highlights and posts and everything that link to my website, which is the catholictherapist.org. And on my site, I just kind of introduce myself and my intentions. And um, I have the blog posted there, which has um, several different articles and now starting to include some guest articles of other Catholic clinicians, which is awesome. And then also a resources page on how to find a counselor or specifically a Catholic counselor, as well as um, different books that I recommend reading. So either one of those, people are free to email me as well at um, lisagormley.lpc, stands for Licensed Professional Counselor, at Gmail. Um, and they're also welcome to private message me as well. I cannot provide any kind of advisement or counseling services um, online or, or period, but I'm happy to help direct people, happy to help support um, in that way, if I can. And I'm also looking to make friends too. Like I am looking for other just, you know, I've met so many awesome Catholic women, like come my way, please. Um, And men, I know there's a small, (laughs) there's a small percentage of men that, that follow, but, um, everyone is welcome. It's really supposed to be just, you know, a site for, um, fellowship and community. So I welcome it. And thank you so much, Jenna too, for being one of those Catholic women and, you know, using, um, these awesome platforms and technologies to spread the gospel and, you know, make us, um, make us better, right. We're not, not that, that Catholic, um, you know, bad rap that we get about not, uh, you know, knowing our scripture. So you are single-handedly changing that.
0: Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you. This was just such a fabulous conversation. I think people are going to get a lot out of it. So thank you so much. I appreciate
1: it. I hope so. Thank you, Jenna, for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, you're welcome.
1: Thank you for tuning into
0: this week's episode. Please be sure to subscribe to the show so that you never miss an episode. And it would be awesome if you could give us a good rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. Those ratings help us get this message of the gospel out to as many people as possible. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at A Shower of Roses and like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash A Shower of Roses podcast. You can also check out A Shower of Roses for more information about the show or to send us an email or feedback. We'll see you back here next Wednesday. God bless you and have a great week.